Good morning. Hey, my name is Mark. I don't know what you guys have done this weekend, but uh, man, I hope you're outside because uh, it was just that was the time. This is the time, man. It was beautiful yesterday. And it was the first weekend that we haven't had anything to, so we were like, man, we're going to find something. And everything at the house is piled up, you know, so uh, we got to get in the first mow, and uh, we were taking care of washing the windows and cleaning off the back porch. And the thing that I was least excited about that I had to get at yesterday were uh, the, the, the devil birds. And you, if you've been around here a while, I think I've talked about these birds before. Our front door... It's got this little, it kind of goes up into this uh, little area, and I, I put net up there. I've tried to do everything I can to, to, to take care of these birds, and everything that I do, they just, they just almost laugh. They like, it's like they laugh at me, you know? And it just gets worse. Like, they bring their friends. Like, look what this guy's doing. They just bring some more guys in. And so yesterday, I go up there. I mean, this, this season has probably been the worst, because I just kind of threw up my hands and gave up. And uh, we just, I mean, the front door, I mean, you can't even read Welcome. It's just, just, just nasty. The babies walk out and they're like, Darcy's looking at Jack like, tiptoe, don't step on the stuff. You know, so we just had to, so I just have actually put cardboard, I'm embarrassed to say it, but just cardboard over it and then we'll just put another piece of cardboard and just put another piece of cardboard. Well, yesterday, I'm like, no, I'm going to take care of this now. So I climb up there on the ladder and luckily uh, I got up there and they weren't, I've climbed up there and they've been there. And that's always an interesting little deal. But yesterday they weren't there. But I, uh, so I, I get the nest down and, and clean it all out, put a new floor mat there, welcome. And it's like, man, this is pristine. Like, this is what a front door is supposed to look like. Then we go inside. It's, uh, you know, at night before we go to bed, I'm going to lock the door. And I just kind of peek out. Like, I mean, did they come back or did they, did they catch the hint? And I look up there and I see, you know, two bird hineys hanging over the light. All right, so, uh, so I get the broom, and, and I just reach out and tap the light, which I've done before, and if I tap that light, they, they leave. But I, normally I, I shut the door behind me, and I had the door was open, and, and I tapped the light, and so they started to, to fly around, and one of them flies around the loop-de-loop, and then, man, he's, he's out the door, out the outside, but the other one, loop, and then he comes right back in the house. So now we've got a bird in the house. Well, as he flies in the house, he, uh, I'm looking up, and I'm like, oh, no. And I feel what feels like a really thick raindrop. <laughs> and it goes through my mind, you know, that's not good. But now I've got a bird in the house. And when you've got a bird in the house, what do you do? Well, I didn't go clean up and let the bird fly around. And then I know I went after the bird, and I was trying to swat him each way and that way. It was pretty exciting. It was around the babies were crying. Ah! We kind of just keep him from going upstairs. We finally got him. I got him out the door. And then I went and looked in the mirror and realized, man, I mean, there's just this big old man. He, he got me. He got me good. You know, when a, when a bird's in your house, that's just something you take care of. You know, I, when it was on my front porch... I let weeks go by, months go by, and didn't really mess with it. But when it got inside the house, it made me react. Even I let this thing be on my head until I finished getting the bird out of the house. And as we've been talking about Ephesians, we've been looking at these things that, that Christ has done. That, uh, these incredible things like uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, that, that God purchased our freedom, that we were in, in bondage, and he, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son. 
I mean, just will you let that phrase, that sentence sink in a moment? That we were in bondage, that we have freedom because he purchased it with his son's own blood? Uh, Ephesians, all of chapter 2, but verse 5 kind of is a summation that even though we were dead, dead in our sin and trespasses, that he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That, that we were dead, 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 and now we have life, and he did that when Jesus gave up his life and shed his own blood. I mean, those, those things that you can say that, and I don't know how we have such thick skin that you can say those things and we don't just immediately go, oh my goodness, you know? It, it, it elicits an, a, a response. It, it compels us if you, if you get your mind around it, that you do something. I guess the front porch is like when it's you know, distant from you, and then when it goes inside the house, it kind of goes into your heart. And when it goes into your heart, you, you do something about it. You can't not do something about it. And I think that's the turn that we make in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul you know, says these are the things that you've got to know that are true. And, and Charlie talked about last week at the end of chapter 3, he talks about this incredible, massive love of our God that's, uh, that he's uh, immeasurably beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. That's, how, that's the kind of God that we worship, this, this God that has done this incredible thing. And then he comes right back, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore I, uh, a prisoner serving the Lord, which several times he's made reference to the fact that, that he's in prison. And, uh, you know, for, I for, think for a lot of different purposes, he keeps on reminding them that, hey, realize where I am at this moment as I write this letter. And in this instance, that he's a prisoner serving the Lord I mean, he has taken these things that he believes and he's, he's acted on them. He's walking in them. He's done something about them. And because of that, he's in prison. And I always like to think about, man, what would it be like, you know, now it's about time to start swimming again if you show up at the pool and Paul shows up and when he takes off his shirt and you see all of the wounds and scars and all these gnarly, you know, from all the different times that he was beaten and bruised for the sake of the gospel... Everybody just got to sit there and go, oh man, what happened to that dude? But it was because he took action to these things that he believed. And, he, and that's what he's saying. He said, I'm in, prison, I'm in prison right now because these things affected me so much that I went and acted on them. And then he says, I beg you. I, uh, another version, it's, it's worded, I urge you. The New King James is my favorite. I beseech you that you would lead a life Worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That as a response to these things, that you would, you would lead a life worthy of the calling. What does a worthy life look like? About the time that I was graduating from college, a movie came out uh, about World War II, and it's uh, called uh, Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if you haven't seen it. It's, it's one that you should see just because I mean, it, you, it's the first time that I really walked away from a film going, man, I, I have some inkling of what, what war might feel like, and I was just I was blown away. But also kind of the backstory behind this one was unique because there's this family, four brothers, and three of those brothers uh, were in, were, all of them were in the war, and three of them had died on the same day. And so leadership got noticed that this mother was going to receive news that three of her sons had died on the same day. And so they said, you know what, Let's, we need to go save that, that last brother and get him home to his mama. 
And so they go to this one battalion, this group of guys, and they say, you, you guys are going to go. Your mission is to go find Private Ryan and, man, save his life and make sure that he gets home. So at all costs, whatever it means to you guys, you've got to go get Ryan and get him home. In fact, I can't hardly say it without saying that. I got a buddy, man, a really funny guy that I, uh, I really knew well during this time. And uh, because of that, and because they were trying to save the Ryan lineage, he would always call this movie, instead of Saving Private Ryan, he would mix it up and say, saying, Saving Ryan's Privates. And I, every time I say it, I, can't, I almost can't say it without saying that. But anyway... So that's what happens, man. They go and they get him and uh, they get with him. And in the process, they go through all kinds of hardships and, and loss of life. They get down to the end and the leader of that group is on. He's, he's on his deathbed. I mean, he's, he's dying. He says his last words and he pulls Ryan, Private Ryan, close to him. And he says, earn this. Earn it. And what is he saying? If you've been in the whole movie, man, all these guys have given their life, these guys that he's led, and now he's fixing to give his own life for the purpose of getting this boy home to his mama. And he says, you're going to get to go back and live your life. Go live it in response to what has been done for you, the sacrifice that has been made. The next scene, it's Ryan as an old man. He's, at the, uh, he's in the, the, uh, the graveyard, and he's looking at this guy's headstone, and, and his, his wife walks up, and he looks at her, and he says... Have I lived a good life? Am I, am I a good man? And she looks at him and says, you have. And you can tell she's confused, but he gets it. He's asking the question, have I earned it? Have I lived a life in response to that? You know, we've been looking the last few weeks. This incredible thing that God has done for us is, is by faith through grace, something we don't deserve. So it's not like we did something to earn it. But it's been done for us. And that means we respond to that, right? You know, there's always this talk about man, faith and works and how the two things work together. There was a musician back in the day that, that I loved a lot, uh, Rich Mullins. If you haven't listened to some Rich Mullins, you need to. And there's this one song that's kind of funny, and at the same time, it's, it's like one of those funny, but it like, cuts your heart out kind of songs. He says, uh, it's called, I think it's, I think it's called... Um, like a screen door on a submarine is actually the name of the song, but it's talking about faith and works. And he says, faith... Believing these things, but not then acting on those things in response to it is like a screen door on a submarine. What's the point? If we believe these things, then we do something about it. But what does a life worthy look like? Paul says, live a life worthy in response to these things that that God has done for you. Well, he describes it. In verse 2, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I, I love that phrase, making allowance for one another, like giving a little margin to each other because we know that we're all messed up. We know that these other things are true, that, that we're sinners and we, we make a lot of mistakes and we're just people and we're frail and, and we're, only, we're only, you know, redeemed because this incredible God is awesome and is love. And so we give each other a little margin. You have noticed one of the places I see it the most is when you're driving. It just blows me away when somebody gives, doesn't give other drivers the margin to make a mistake here and there. Now, if I'm talking to you and stepping on your toes right now, I'm sorry. But like the other day, I saw a, a car, a guy was sitting there obviously on his phone, light changes and then changes again, and there's a big truck behind him, and it, finally that truck honks his horn. Like I was amazed at the patience of the truck driver. 
And then this truck, it turns green the next time, and he spit, peels out, takes off, and, and then gets right on the bumper of the car in front of him. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, like, like, like you've forgotten that you just held this guy up through a whole light, you know? Giving no margin to the next person. Do you, you, you think you never make a mistake when you drive? So you can get mad at everybody else? He's saying, man, we live a humble life and our humility causes us to realize, man, we need to give everybody a little bit of space to make mistakes because guess what? You're going to make a few yourself. And one of the identifying marks of somebody who's really got a hold of this calling and what Jesus has done is that they're humble. Humility. This past week on, on Monday, I got the text that you don't want to get from the dentist saying I got an appointment the next day. Which is, the, you know, like on my list of things I don't want to do. I mean, I was trying to find something to put on my schedule in that hour because I just didn't want to go. But I get in there and, um, I mean, kind of backstory. I mean, growing up, I, uh, I told my parents that I brushed my teeth a lot, but I really didn't. <laughs> maybe, maybe once a day, you know, I, I would find them in the morning because I just didn't want my breath to stink. But hardly ever at night. And then uh, my, first, my first trip to India, I'm with this guy who's studying to be a dentist that, who, who's from Nepal. His name's Roshan. And we're going to bed one night, and uh, he says, Mark, did you brush your teeth? And I said, you know, as a matter of fact, Roshan, I, I didn't brush my teeth. Do you know what happens if you don't brush your teeth? Well, I have a good idea, man, but I'm just ready to go to bed. It's been a long day. Yeah, and then he starts to tell me all the statistics of what will happen, you know. Finally, I get up just to make him be quiet. I went and brushed my teeth. But, but, you know, I would go to the dentist, and they would say everything's good and no problems. And so I thought, man, everything's great, you know. Um, but <laughs> then I get to this, uh, we were serving at a church in Russellville, and this, this dentist that I kind of knew from the past, we, we go there, and I get checked out, and he says, uh, man, everything's good. And when I go to to pay that his, his uh, assistant says you, you don't need to pay anything he's, he's told us that you know you and your family uh, that we'll just take care of you guys for free and I walked out and that's incredible I, I like this guy a lot you know well the next time I come in that time I had no problems but the next time it's like everything that you could possibly have wrong from all of those years of not brushing my teeth just happened to show up the next time. I kind of felt like I need to go into the guy and say, man, listen, I promise I didn't plan this. But they go in, I mean, I need crowns, I got all these cavities, I need a root canal. I mean, there's no telling how many thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And the guy's faithful, man. He does it with a smile on his face. He takes care of it. He does all the work. And I walk out that day humbled that this guy, I deserve... I deserve to have a, a mouthful of teeth that are full of cavities, man. I earned that. And he gave me what I didn't deserve. He just, he just took care of it. And then it, was, it wasn't long after that that I found out that this same dentist, every, uh, every year, he would take a Saturday and he would just do free work for anybody in the community who couldn't afford dental work. And the night before, there would be a line and people camping out front to get in that, that morning. And most of them, they just, needed, they just needed teeth pulled because they were in so much pain. And that was, they just get it out of, you know, get that tooth out. And I would go up there and just kind of hold, I didn't know what to do, but I could hold people's hands and kind of just sit with them in the pain. And you know, as I looked around that room, I was just one of the group. This, thing, this incredible guy had this, 
this skill and this place, and he was, he was willing to give to help me with a desperate need that I had. I just feel like, man, we're all in this place, and nobody's any better than anybody else. We're all people who need help, and this person was willing to give it to us. And it's crazy, because that's what we are in this room this morning, right? I mean, you look around the room, we're all... We're all the same. We're different, for sure. And our past sins may have different names. And our, but, but man, we're all sinners who have been saved by an incredible God who showed us grace. How does any of us have the right to stick our nose in the air or be arrogant in this place? You know, if, if you get Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, how could you be anything but humbled? And so he says, a, a life worthy of this call is a life that's lived in humility. And then Ephesians uh, 4, verse 2, he says, always humble and uh, gentle, be patient. Oh, I'm sorry. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep yourself united. If you're humbled, what, el- what also happens is you start to become unified with the other people who are also like you. In, uh, in February, you know, my boys are, are wrestling, and in February they had the state uh, tournament. And uh, we went down to Little Rock to watch, and we pulled up, and Springdale kind of had its place, but it was up in the stands. And so, like always, we have to kind of find a place off to the side where our uh, twins can run around and hopefully get tired and pass out, you know. So we got a game plan, but it kind of puts us away from the rest of the group. And we're over here, and there's another family kind of doing the same thing, and they're from Fort Smith. And they're our opponent. And they happen to have a son who's a really good wrestler, and we know it. And we're there two days, and I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I was, I was tired, and I'm pretty competitive. And, you know, I, like, I'm cordial, but I didn't, like, engage in conversation with the enemy, you know? I mean, we're wrestling against one another, right? And they're from Fort Smith, and we're from Springdale. And maybe on another day we'll be friends, but not today, right? And, um, and so we go through that tournament and everything, and we interact past one another 20 times, you know? Well, about a month later, I found out that their son had signed uh, a letter to, to go to the school that I graduated from and wrestle for that university. And when I saw that, immediately, oh man, that was, that was his family. So we had a tournament a few weeks ago, and, and they were across the room. And guess what I did? I went all the way across the gym, sought the guy out, shook his hand, explained who I was. He remembered me from the, from the other tournament, although we never talked. I walked through, hey, you're going to the university. I went there. I, I know the guy that's going to be his dorm dad. Hey, let me call him up and I'll connect you. Hey, man, we spent, we spent 40 minutes, man, I'm talking about I'm telling him I'll help him do anything. I'll, I'll, I'll meet with him and talk to him about what, what the university is going to be like. What happened? Well, all of a sudden, I saw him as, as somebody who I was united with, not as somebody who I was in opposition to. And just like that, we were best friends. That happens a lot. It's crazy. The university I go to, I mean, that's not like I give money back to it or care about that much anymore. But when I meet somebody, there's some folks in this room that went there. And it's like I bump into you. And I'm like, hey, man. Hey. We're, we're, we're together. We're one. Now, we're real different, but we're, but we're one because we got this thing in our background, our past. That's what happens when you understand who Jesus is and who we are in him. 
You look around the room and you see a lot of people, like Charlie was saying the other day, a lot of us's, not a lot of me and you and all the separation, all the things that divide us. You see all the things that unite us, both in the room and in the churches in the area and the churches on the planet, the people, the, the followers of Christ on the planet. All of a sudden you feel this, this thing that unites us. We are one. In fact, he goes on to say, uh, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Y'all, are y'all catching a reoccurring theme? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll keep going. So, who is uh, over all and in all and through all? It says that there's, there's one. There's all these things that unite us. There's one. And when you're humble... All of a sudden, you, you stop trying to find the things that divide us, and you start seeing the things that unite us. And we are united in that we were all dead in our sin and trespasses, and this incredible God sent his only son and spilt his blood to make us clean and to give us life. And no matter how many things I have different from you, we share that. And we are one. You know? It's crazy how the body of Christ has spent so much time trying to find the, the ways and the reasons that we're different and forgetting about the thing that, that matters most, that makes us one. And then Ephesians uh, 4, 7, he says, however, but, there's a contrast, we're, we're humbled and, and we're united and we're one, however, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Even though that we're, we're humble and we're united and we're one, we are very different. We are very different people. And when you look around this room, we are, we are gifted differently. We are made differently. And that's, that's, that's what makes us up. That's what makes us a, a, a body and not just, a, just an arm. You know, each of us has different giftings. In fact, the other day we were on a staff retreat and Terry sent me a text of some homework that Brennan uh, needed to get done, but she couldn't figure out how to do it, some math homework. And she thought I was going to help her. Somehow I got through high school and college without ever taking algebra. I'm not the guy that you want helping you with your math problem. I don't know how that happened. I'm not trying to talk, <laughs> talk about my university and now say that I don't even have a math program. But, but I, I looked at it for a few minutes and my eyes started to cross and my head started to hurt a little bit. And, uh, and so I kind of stumbled over and handed it to Charlie. <laughs> man can you help about 30 seconds he says here's the answer you know that's that's the difference we are we are made very very differently my uh my granddad i love this story when uh when he passed away and we were at uh all of the the funeral and all those things around that and people were talking about him and telling stories about his life his pastor he uh he talked about the first time that he met him that they were it was kind of a prayer meeting and and um he kind of gave my, my granddad the look like he wanted him to pray. And my granddad came up to him afterwards and said, Listen, I do a lot of things, but if you ever ask me to pray out loud, I won't come back again. To be real clear, I don't pray in front of groups. And at the same time, he would show up and the door that was broken would be, would be repaired. You know, and better than it was before. Or the light that went out that he was trying to remember to tell somebody that we need that light change, my granddad would change it before he... And he talked about how my granddad was his best friend working out. My granddad was kind of an inventor and really good with his hands, and so that's what he did. And he made this incredible impact. So we're, we're united, we're the same, but a life worthy means you recognize your differences and you act in those things. 
So this morning, I mean, I'm, I'm up here and I'm, I'm doing my best in the thing that over time I've, I feel like God has, has kind of made me. And, and I, in this room, I need to be a part of doing this some, speaking to you and trying to explain God's word. But then at the same time, I mean, somebody got up this morning and, and hooked me up with a good cup of coffee. That, that Good cup of coffee. My, my wife pulls up and there's a guy out there that's helping her find her parking spot. There's somebody right now with those twins while they're yelling and screaming and, and Jack's trying to figure out how to be potty trained. It's, it's taking care of them and loves it and is doing an incredible job watching them. You know, i got a teenager that right now that there's some youth workers that are trying to invest in him and teach him. And so we're all, there's this web of service that's taking place where, where I'm trying to serve you and you're trying to serve me and we're trying to serve each other and there's just such power in that. Aren't you thankful that we're, all, that we're not all the same, you know? That's the way that we were made. In fact, that's the way it says it in, uh, in Ephesians uh, 4, 15 to 16. It says, We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ who is the head of the body, uh, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, he helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And it happens inside this room, but it also happens as we begin to look out and ask, what does Jesus want to do on the planet? You know, that uh, mission statement that's on the wall out there that we're going to somehow be world changers. Well, World changing, I've learned, doesn't happen when you live on an island. World changing is possible because we all come together and then we really can make a difference. And just an example, we've got a little video here that kind of uh, something that's happening, you know. There have been refugees that uh, are moving to the States and some of them have moved to northwest Arkansas. And so a group of people saw that and uh, both just in, in the Grove but then in other churches and they linked arms and they said, what can we do about that? And they, there's this thing called Canopy, northwest Arkansas and a bunch of people have plugged into it and they're trying to make a difference in those refugees and help them when they get here. And Scott Sutton's involved in that and he's going to talk about it just for a second.
um, you know, just volunteering to serve food. We've also had some people on the fundraising side who have been raising the funds and um, you know contributing financially to uh, to Canopy and to the groups uh, involved with that. But there are a lot of ways we can be involved, and uh, Canopy being a very uh, small and new and nimble organization, um, I think they're open to uh, the creativity of people. The great thing about, uh, about being a member of the Grove uh, when it comes to canopy involvement is that we have some pretty engaged and fired up people. You know, when, when you talk to, about service, it just feels like, like everybody's kind of waiting. I have this conversation a lot. Like every, everybody's kind of, you know, waiting for that perfect thing that I, well, I, that's the thing that I'm supposed to do. That's the thing that I'm made to do. And I'm, and I'm kind of waiting until that thing comes on the screen and then I'll take initiative. But that's just not the way that this thing works. It's like when I was talking to college guys and they're talking about the girl that they're going to marry. And it's like, Man, when the one comes along, the one, you know, I'm going to wait for the one, and the one, maybe one day, the one, the one, the one. And I had to go, dude, there's a bunch of them. There's a, there's a, there's a bunch of them. Why, why don't you just focus on being the man that the one would want to be with, and then be that, and hang out with girls that, that are kind of like the one you would imagine would be, and guess what will happen? It's crazy. One day y'all look at each other and be like, hey, I like you, hey, I, I, I like you. And the one is there, you know? But that's how it happens. It doesn't happen by you sitting around twiddling your thumbs trying to think about maybe one time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stumble upon the one. Well, in service, it's the same way. You just go get your hands dirty and you may do a lot of stuff and you go, man, this isn't really for me. I tried to make the coffee and it didn't come out too good, you know? I, I did this thing and that didn't work. But then what happens is after some time, it kind of, you get into a, a rhythm and you start to find out, man, I enjoy doing this thing. I, I feel God's pleasure when I do it. And it seems like other people are impacted when I do this thing. And man, when you start to find that sweet spot, then you just do it more and more and more. And you start to play your role in the body of Christ. And if you're doing that, and if I'm doing that, and we're all doing it together, then you know we can change the world. We can. We can. That's the reason I love the way it says that in uh, verse 16. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so we help one another, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what happens when we live a life worthy, a life that's humble, a life that's unified in a life that's full of recognizing our individuality and, and serving. But, you know, I thought about that uh, Saving Private Ryan, you know, at the end. If he had turned to his wife and said, am I a good man? Have I, have I lived a worthy life? And if she had looked back at him and said, nope. 
Man, that would have that been a horrible ending to a movie, you know? I don't think it would have won any Academy Awards. I think it would have just been Rotten Tomato. Uh, yeah, no. We always talk about this is what it should or could look like. Let me, let me flip the script for you just for a second. What would an unworthy life look like? That you knew and said you believed all these things, but your life wasn't, act, you know, you weren't acting out in response? Well, let's, let's say, I mean, instead of humble, you'd be arrogant, right? And instead of united, you'd be isolated. Instead of serving, you would, you'd be selfish. Arrogant, isolated, selfish. If you, if you looked yourself in the mirror today, maybe do this. Maybe this is the homework assignment. Look yourself in the mirror and ask which one of those words best describes you. Humble or arrogant? Unified or isolated? Selfish or full of a life of service? If we really understand and believe these things about Jesus, there's only one right response. We are compelled by his love. But I recognize that it's not normal. And it's not even natural. Just like your salvation, it's something that only God can do. So you would join with me I'm going to ask him that he would father I ask you that in this place you would you would cause this thing to be true that uh, it really is it's it's not a normal thing being being, um, isolated being arrogant being selfish that's just what people do that's the reason we we get into such a sin problem because we try to make life about us and our comfort and we, uh, we real quickly forget about the people around us and, um, and forget about you. And so as, as believers, as people who have been redeemed, who have been uh, set free and given life, I pray that you would fill us uh, by your Spirit with the power to, to look at ourselves rightly. As people that you love, but who you love uh, undeservedly. As, as people who have a lot in common, more in common than we have uh, that, that, would, that would separate us. And we could see the needs and care enough about it to, to jump in and let you do what you do through us. The good works that you prepared in advance for us to do. Father, I pray that you would do that to your glory. Amen.